Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is my regret to inform you that the great Howard Finkel has passed away. Yes, the, the voice of the WWF, the WWE, one of the most iconic ring announcers of all time, Howard Finkel, has passed away. Uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Um, really, the iconic calls, even to this day, me personally, whenever I even say here in our podcast, and the winner of this event and new RWP champion, I am copying Howard Finkel. I am full on, I admit that, that that's how much of an influence that man's voice and oration left on me, that it's still to this day, years later, I still copy it because I recognize its greatness. And, you know, I, I really can't intimate. It's very strange the people that leave impacts on your lives, you never know who they're going to be. And Howard Finkel was a person that, without really knowing it, left a much larger impact on my life than I would have ever known. So, in that regard, he, if you were to, in a thousand years, somehow bring him back before his descendants, and they were to ask him, Howard Finkel, what did you do with your life? He could re realistically say to them, I was the greatest professional wrestling ring announcer of all time. He could realistically say that to them. So he was a man who loved what he did and did what he loved, and that's a life well lived. So Tony, is there any thoughts you'd like to say about the great Howard Finkel? Uh, yeah, it was just, he was just one of those staples of the wrestling industry that, you know, he was just always there. It was like a, a comforting, a comfort blanket, if you will. He was, he was always Regardless if he was on the mic or not, he was always still in the inner workings. And, you know, in the latter years, he was still very much a part of the, the WWE family and greatly revered in the wrestling business industry. And, yeah, you, all those classic moments. Uh, I mean, you look back at uh, all, the, all the past, the earliest WrestleManias, and he's there. He's, he's in full form. He's the voice of the show. He's in the corner. He's... He's everywhere you can think. And even when he was asked to do ridiculous things like tuxedo matches against Harvey Whippleman or even later on against Lillian Garcia over who's the better ring announcer, it was he, he was always there. And behind the scenes, he was such an influence and a source of information for the wrestlers and the personnel. He was, he was very important to the business, uh, not just the WWE, but uh, the business in general. And it's a, it's a tremendous loss. And we raise a glass to you, Howard Finkel. Yes, Howard, raise our glass to you, sir. Thank you much. And if I may, the perfect send-off for that, the winner of this life and me! Entrance to heaven, Howard Finkel. One last raise of glass to you, sir. Thanks for everything. Now, folks, as Howard of all people would agree with, the show must go on. And as I'm known to say, all that being said, folks. Welcome, one and all, to the rest of this very interesting edition of the Revolutionary Wrestling Podcast. I am your King of Extreme, Phil Kaley, joined once again by my indomitable broadcast partner, the one, the only... Tony fucking G. Like, share, subscribe. Those of you watching on YouTube, you can see all that pretty stuff down below. This is uh, basically our foray into creating more content for our audio platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, and all that good stuff. Uh, but not just that, but we need to put out some more content. And this is us doing that. And we have a lot to talk about because there's a lot of unfortunate news 
been happening in the last week or so? Yes, uh, the world of wrestling has taken a kick in the shorts. There's really no other way of looking at this. This is, you know, we have a podcast covering wrestling, and we were thinking, you know, that we'll get into it at a later time, but you and I have also had some very hectic things going on in our own lives, and we were trying to figure out how do we cover this, and I thought, let's wait until we see what the full scope of this looks like. And it looks like the layoffs have started to slow down at WWE. Um, but man, it, it was a brutal couple of days for the talent, for the fans, for the wrestling industry as a whole. These massive, massive layoffs of some pretty high-end talent and people that they'd given big money guarantees to before, uh, it's, oof, like I said, brutal, brutal. Like, I don't know if you ever saw it, but, uh, oh, God. I, yeah, I think it was Drake Maverick, who he his promo that he cut after he got cut. Yeah. Uh, the promo he cut after he got cut. Yes. Heartbreaking stuff. Uh, yeah. Anderson and Gallows really surprised me. Well, let's just start at the top of the list. And uh, the list that I've got pulled up, they're at the top of it. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Not only is that a huge surprise to both of us and the wrestling fan base in general, but it's got to be a huge surprise to them as well. Because if you recall several months ago, they were kind of weighing their options on whether or not they were going to remain with WWE. And they were important enough to Vince to have them on his roster to not let them get away. He signed them up for, I believe it was 750000 apiece each, just so they wouldn't go back to Japan or go to AEW. And a handful of months later, here we are, and they found themselves on the chopping block. And now, you know, I, I doubt that there's any chance that they're going to find themselves in New Japan anytime quickly. And it doesn't sound like they're headed to AEW. So really bad timing for those two guys, especially because, you know, they are a tag team unit. They're not going to have a singles run anywhere. They're not going to split up. So this is doubly <clears throat> difficult for a tag team to try to find work overseas right now specifically. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, they are doubly screwed in the fact that three months ago they would have had way more leverage. Mm -hmm. And – as it would stand right now, they would at least still have a job. So yeah. they, they really, they, I, I could totally understand being frustrated with that one. Uh, and I was listening to, and I was, really hard for you to believe, Tony. I was listening to uh, Jim Cornette's podcast. Me too. And he talked about, um, yeah, we, 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 we both did, didn't we? Um, yeah, yes, yes. Guilty as charged. And he was talking about their contracts that every 90 days they can decide whether to renew you. And so he said, guess what? You're not signing a three-year deal. You're signing a 90-day deal. You're yeah. signing a three-month deal, which they can get out of any time they like. So that was that's the unfortunate reality of when you have these one-sided contracts. Now, hey, they – they were willing to sign on because they thought they were there at the big top and who the hell could have seen a giant pandemic shutting down the world. Okay. Nobody saw that coming six months again. Depends who you ask, but we won't get into that here, folks. Uh, <laughs> another six, uh, months ago, six months ago, nobody knew this was going to hit like it did, but just, that's yeah. just the reality of it. Uh, but yeah, six months ago, we thought this, you know, the world was going to kind of keep on turning. We didn't, nobody, yeah, anybody who saw this coming six months ago would have had a mountain of toilet paper ready just at the go. But that's. That's fair. Nobody can see into the future perfectly. So. Right. Uh, I, but yeah, this is really unfortunate for those two because, yeah, like I said, it's just the worst possible time. And hell, they were in the, I don't know, the main event-ish of wrestlemania but at the same time oh no no that counts that absolutely 110 percent counts 
as a main event of WrestleMania. Night one, night two, that's, that's irrelevant. If you are the final segment, not even match, if you're the final segment on the card, you're in the main event. That's how Jim Cornette can claim to be in the main event of WrestleMania because he was a manager for a main event WrestleMania match. Oh, my God. It's true. <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, that was uh, – but then I realized, okay, these are supporting cast members. Mm-hmm. They're not the stars. Right. They're right. the th- – and – you know, I remember Al Snow doing a breakdown for a training video for uh, some young wrestlers, and this is what I realized got cut. There's two things in wrestling. You're either the thing that sells the tickets, or you're the thing that helps the thing that sells the tickets. And everybody that helps the things that sells the tickets got cut. Yeah. And what that tells me is, and I, I know this sounds strange, but that was kind of my personal canary in the coal mine of, this is going to go on for a while. This is not going to be something that's going to resolve itself by July. If Vince McMahon has the kind of information he has with the connections that he has in Washington, and he made these cuts, he's anticipating this shit going on for a while. Well, let's that's- touch on that. Let's touch on that because what's been happening is obviously Vince McMahon had to liquidate, bankrupt the XFL. That, that happened because of this. It was in its debut season on the reboot. And unfortunately – it, it, it got cut, you know, in half, and eventually it just got completely canceled, and they went bankrupt. So we're talking like $300 million. It's a lot of money. He had invested in this thing. It was really making a go of it this time. Unfortunate bad timing. But here recently, we obviously have been having the issue of what businesses are essential and what businesses are not. And in the state of Florida, they were ready to deem professional wrestling unessential, until they deemed it essential. WWE, that is. They are an essential business now. That same week, lo and behold, Vince McMahon is named by President Trump as an advisor to reopen the economy. Phil, what are your thoughts on the convenient timing of those two particular events happening? Oh, um, are you aware of the uh, super PAC contribution? I have heard. Oh man, like I, I, all right, folks, when you tune in here, you're going to get the truth, okay? You're not going to get some bullshit. Bill KOE and Tony G are going to give you the unadulterated truth. I always try to put a happy face on wrestling because that's what wrestling's supposed to be. It's supposed to be your enjoyment, your getaway. But I'm not going to bullshit my audience either. I'm going to be honest with them. And what happened here is not the most flattering. Flat yet, yeah, no, thank you. It is not the most flattering uh, sequence of events. A super pack directed by Wyndham McMahon uh, directed eighteen million dollars to President Trump's reelection campaign in Florida which would thusly also be kind of the spillover benefit Ron DeSantis' re-election campaign for governor in Florida would also be viewed as a beneficiary of that. Yeah. That's, yeah, like you said, it's not flattering. And then suddenly, shortly thereafter, Ron DeSantis, or DeSantis, or however you pronounce his name, I'm so sorry, people in Florida, let us know in the comment section, has a moment where he realizes, WWE is an essential business, and it must be allowed to continue. Now, hey, I get it. The fact that, and again, I actually understand WWE's perspective here, too. They are in a real rock and a hard place with the contracts they've signed, and they, yes, their purpose is to provide entertainment, and if you can be the only people pumping out entertainment, new content now... In theory, you should be getting higher ratings. Sure. In theory, it should be get bringing in more ratings. Now, we'll see if their money in the bank gamble pays off. I'm going to be watching. I'll be yeah. honest. I will. I, I, okay. You fucking got me. Yeah. You're going to do it at Titan Towers. You're going to have them fight all the way up. But yeah, with their television contracts, uh, the USA Network and in, in Fox informed them, yes, we will be cutting your payments severely if you give us more tape content. So yeah. they have to be providing new content. So they are in 
a hell of a rock and a hard place. But well, not just that, but let's let's talk about the timing of all this. Uh, basically, AEW, which is also operating out of Florida during this entire pandemic, they've been shut down a few times, and they've had to record a bunch of content out of a gym. You know, uh, I think it was Colt Cabana's personal gym. They're not essential, but the WWE is. So, yes, of course it doesn't look flattering. But, like you said... I think Ron Saints had to name professional wrestling as okay. essential. I don't think he could get away with just saying sure. just WWE. He had to just say professional wrestling is now essential. So, technically, okay. AEW could, but they have enough pre-taped content that yeah. they don't have to for a few weeks. Right, right. And th but that's the other thing, that Vince can't just bring everybody in and record a bunch of content because, obviously, that would be much uh, easier to do. You get a bunch of weeks of content recorded. Everybody can go home and quarantine. But USA and Fox demand having live content for, you know, so, for so many weeks and months out of the year. Otherwise, yes, their, their paychecks are going to be cut hugely so maybe part of this all these roster cuts are vince anticipating that because the longer this goes the harder it's going to be to do live content but vince is going to give live content come hell or high water i think there's a way of doing it you know without having to put everybody at risk but that's neither here nor there vince is going to do what vince wants to do but let's jump back into this list of people who got cut uh, after Gallows and Anderson, I have a, a bit of a surprise. Oh, oh, before, we, before we move on, go ahead. where do you think they're going to go? Sure. Uh, Gallows and Anderson, I, I think they're going back to Japan. I think they had a good thing going in, in New Japan. I, I think that it just it's a better fit. I think with the likelihood of the revival ending up in AEW, they're going to kind of take that spot that Gallows and Anderson would fill. So I don't think there's – I think AEW needs all the good tag teams they can get because right now some people might disagree with this, but it's pretty damn thin. I think their tag team needs a big shot of talent and these guys would provide that, but I think the revival will fill that role. And they got out before this, these cuts happened. So I, I think Gallows and Anderson end up in Japan. I think Luke Gallows eventually comes back and reprises his role as Festus. I think you're out of your fucking mind, and we can just move on <laughs> if that's your take. No, I, I, think, <laughs> I think you're actually right. They're, they're going to Japan. Uh, that, that's that's kind of home for them. Yeah. They'll have a big homecoming. They could go to AEW, but, you know, I think after these cuts, AEW's tag team scene is going to be a little crowded, sure. and Japan could use a big dominant american tag team again they seem to yeah. their scene seems to do well when there's at least one there and them they're they're big fish and big ponds over there so and it'd I be a big shot good. of adrenaline into the bullet club so yeah i think that's a definite possibility um on down the line leo rush and he has been cruiserweight champion here pretty recently so i'm I'm not surprised by this one, but he has some real skill on the mic. And for being a cruiserweight, the dude, the dude, it works amazing. He, he's very undersized, but the dude moves. He's a great cruiserweight, but he's a greater manager. Yeah, I, I understand why they did it, but I don't know. I don't know where he ends up. I could see him ending up in like impact just because the demand is not going to be high for a guy of his size. Managerial speaking, anywhere, honestly. Honestly, I could see him ending up back in WWE before this is all said and done. Yeah, you do raise an excellent point. I do think he could actually be one of the few that ends up getting rehired when this thing mm -hmm. uh, all said and done because the man, like, he's actually really damn good in the ring. But his mic skills are infinitely better. Uh, you and I actually saw Leo Rush make his live debut when we were – it was either Omaha or Lincoln, uh, 205 Live – I think yeah, it was Omaha. Omaha, uh, yeah. 205 Live uh, taping yep. that they were doing. Uh, we, we were there for the SmackDown and the 205 Live. And Leo Rush came out, and he was one of the first guys I'd ever seen just stand up on top of the announcer's table and talk yeah. smack. And, it was very visually compelling for us there in the live audience. I don't know how it went on television, but yeah, Leo Rush is a guy that can grab your attention. So 
you know, AEW would do well with him, but I don't, I, like, I just don't see where he would fit, if that makes sense. Like, it would be just such a hard fit. But other than that, uh, I could also see, like you said, impact would be much, much better for him. Uh, his one problem when he's on his own is he, how do I say this? Like when he no-sold the powerbomb off the top of the ladder through the table, like, and then he like got up like he was Superman or some shit and no-sold it. It's one of those like, you really do sometimes have to pull the reins back yeah. on some of these guys because they otherwise they, they will do the stupid crazy shit like that that just kind of ruins what everybody else is going to try and do the rest of that night. So he's a guy that he can definitely get what you need over. He definitely needs a match agent. Yes. <laughs> so that that's the, how I would put Leo Rush. So, yeah, I, I could see him coming – right back if he could just get over his fucking backstage attitude problems. Yeah. Uh, one thing you, you mentioned there, I, I want to uh, reiterate here quickly. Not everybody is technically fired that's on this list. Some of them are furloughed, which means the door is still open for them to return once these things get sorted out. Um, but He's not, not the in-ring talent. The in-ring talent's gone. They had to be fired because if they yeah. were to be furloughed, Tony, why, that would sound a lot like an employee. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, and I mean, I mean that that's mostly just the uh, the backstage personnel are the ones that are going to be furloughed. So uh, some of these guys uh, that I'm going to mention, I believe, uh, are, are furloughed instead of fired. But uh, this isn't the next one on the list, but I think it kind of needs to be next on our list because of some of the implications, uh, and this was kind of a surprise, Rusev, another guy that they kind of fought and did some wheeling and dealing to keep on the roster when he was ready to walk out the door. And he ended up staying, and now he has been cut. So this is, I, I think he's going to be a pretty, pretty high up there free agent. But I bring him up next because, interestingly enough, his wife, Lana, is still employed by the WWE. She's currently managing Bobby Lashley. That's going to be splitting up soon. You know who was going to probably take her place when that happened? Because Bobby Lashley absolutely needs a mic person. Leo Rush, who's also been cut now. So if they split up Lana and Bobby, which they're looking at doing, and it's all but likely, Bobby could be on his own unless they have something else in their pocket because – what are they going to do now? I assume that maybe Lana may try to get out of her contract as well to join her husband, Rusev. So it, it's kind of a – that was kind of an interesting one to me to see Leo go and Rusev go, but Lana's still around. But uh, Rusev, big loss. He's, he's one of those fan favorites. Yeah. No matter whether he's a heel, a baby face, he's one of those workers that the fans just absolutely love. They want to see him reach his full potential, but every time he starts to get it, management kind of tried to bury him and they cut his feet out from underneath him and it's unfortunate because yeah the crowd support's always been there no matter what and damn now what for him i don't know i would assume aew uh i would too i think uh he he's obviously gonna head to aew at some point and i would love to see aiden english make that move yes. too i mean uh yes. he's coming up on the list later Yes. Uh, but in terms of Lana leaving, I don't see that happening. I think she's just happy to have a job at this point sure. in the middle of uh, So I see her hanging on for a while. And also a Renee while. Young and John Moxley are able to exist in different companies and still maintain being a married couple. So, But yeah, also, Tony, we'll see. I need, this needs to be done. It needs to be said. This right. is a necessary send-off to the one great... Rusev, who we actually saw live at the height of Rusev Day, and this is the, for the last time, possibly ever, April 15th was the last Rusev Day.
Well <sighs> done. Well done. So for Rusev, thanks for all the memories, sir. Uh, the tank against John Cena at WrestleMania is amazing, and we are looking forward to this next chapter. Whatever your name happens to be, good sir. All right. I agree. Uh, yeah, can't wait to see what Rusev does next. I think if he does end up in AEW, it's, I think that's really going to give them a bit of a boost that they really need, and I, I'm actually looking forward to that. Uh, I'm going to fire... Oh, go ahead. He's just the kind of big man they need. You know what yes. I mean? Like, they've got some tall, lanky guys, but he's just a stocky, muscly brick shithouse, and that's the kind of guy they need. I think, uh, yeah, they, they brought in uh, Lance Archer, who we watched in Wrestle Kingdom, and I used to watch back in the day as Lance Hoyt and TNA. I, I think he really fills kind of that role, but he can't talk on the mic, and that's why they have Jake Roberts doing that for him. Rusev can talk on the mic, but yeah, like you said, Aiden English, let's just touch on him quick. I, you know, he hasn't been used in a wrestling role anyway. I think you repair them together. He can be a manager. He can be a tag partner. He can fill either role. I think it's perfect. Uh, I think the pairing makes perfect sense in AEW. I'd love to see that, but uh, I assume you agree with me on that, Aiden and AEW. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, Aiden, AEW, uh, I, I don't think he'd be a good fit for impact no. and he's a bit too experienced to go back down to ring of honor like that's yeah. where uh ring of honor is like he's not old enough to go and he's not young enough to go because ring of honor is where old stars go to get reborn and young stars go to get made and so he's it, like he's yeah he's too young and too old to yeah. go to ring of honor right so well, I think, yes, EWB is best. I, yeah, exactly. I agree 100%. Let me fire three at you, speaking of impact, TNA. EC3, Drake Maverick, and Eric Young. These are all TNA yeah. staples that I watched their careers kind of unfold. When I was you know, big into TNA, when it really debuted on network television, uh, Eric Young was really up and coming. Uh, EC3 basically made his wrestling debut on on Impact and TNA, and Drake Maverick was pretty much there in the shadows behind EC3 the whole time. And both these guys made it to the WWE. Uh, Eric Young, Rockstar Spud. I saw him live. It was you know it, it all guys I, I like. I love Eric Young. He's one of the better workers I've seen in recent memory. Uh, I don't know that all three of these guys end up going back to impact. I could see. I don't see, think, I don't think Drake Maverick rocks our spud does. I think he would be a great fit for AEW okay. him and like rockstar spud and freshly squeezed orange Cassidy could do a thing, I guess. I don't know what you'd call it, but they would, okay. they would have something going. Um, EC3 better beg to go back to Impact because I I don't see him as a good I don't see him as a good fit for AEW honestly I, I just don't didn't think that either I thought he would end up back in Impact as well but if you missed his uh, promo he cut right after the the firing it was it was really good it's, it's the best promo honestly the best promo I've ever seen him cut because he's always been the snobby rich kid persona and this was this was a lot more real this was a lot more cold and calculated it was it, it had some real feeling to it and i was impressed like damn dude if you'd have been doing this a, a year ago you you might not have gotten cut because he's he's got the look he's got the talent and now he finally has the promo skill too little too late i don't think he goes back to impact i kind of hope AEW takes a chance on him because I think he could make a run of it. Uh, I think Drake Maverick and Eric Young probably Ring of Honor. And er Eric Young specifically Ring of Honor because he's his career's starting to dwindle, I'll be honest. You know, he he's he's been a workhorse for a long, long, long time. And he's not gonna he's not gonna reach the pinnacle. That ship has clearly sailed now. It's unfortunate. Love his work. He's a great comedy act, and he can be a heel. The, I was thinking the exact same thing you were, that Ring of Honor would be the best place for him because 
there he'll be the big fish in the small pond, if you will. And that'll probably be his last chance at a world championship title run. Eric Young as, as, yes, him as the ring of honor world champion, bringing up the young guys, teaching them what, like, remember how I was saying Aiden English, uh, he's too young and too old. Eric Young, on the other hand, is not, and I'm not sure about their ages. I'm just talking about the way their bodies have worn down. Um, uh, Eric Young is definitely one of those guys that could go to Ring of Honor to be reborn. Yep. Uh, and along the way could bring some kids up with him. So yeah. I think that would be a really nice way to cap off a great journeyman career. Yeah, and you, you saw his work with Sanity. It was one of those gimmicks that really latched on with the fan base and they really resonated with the fans. And it was unfortunate that it did not make it on the main roster, but I got to watch Eric Young and TNA and Impact, and holy shit, he is, not only is he a great worker, but his comedy, his his comedy and mic skills are incredible. Some of his classic stuff in TNA is some of the funniest, most naturally flowing verbiage I've ever seen come out of a, a mouth. It truly, it just, it resonates with you because he's so convincing in whatever ridiculous role they would put him in. One of the, one of the funnier guys in the business and he could do that in ring of honor and he could be that sanity heel in ring of honor. So he fills a lot of void. If you have a guy that, if you have a guy that you want to push, you need someone to pair him with Eric Young's that guy. So I'd love to see him in ring of honor. Okay. Okay. You know, I I think you, you raised an excellent point there. Yes. Um, any company would be better for him. So yes. moving on down the line, T. A couple that uh, won the tag team titles not that long ago. Heath Slater and Kurt Hawkins. Or excuse me, Heath Slater didn't. He won. Uh, God, no, he did win a tag title, didn't he? I swear. With Rhino? He yeah, exactly. That's yeah, what I was thinking of. With Rhino. He was yes. the inaugural yes. SmackDown tag team champions. Yes, that's right. Remember that's what him. I was thinking of. Uh, and Heath Slater. When did you know he's got yep. kids? Yeah, I do. I did know that. Now he's got debt. Oof, yeah. Damn, that's brutal. Yeah. That's brutal. That, the new shirt oh. he had promoted was "I got fired." Oh, brutal! Yeah. Like I appreciate the fact that he's leaning into it, yeah. but my God! And now here's the question: Do you suppose WWE's gonna? Be lenient with some of these guys and maybe let them use their name on the indie scene? No, absolutely not. Nope. Nope. Uh, damn it. Was, it was worth a shot. It was worth a, oh, we're going to fire you in the middle of a fucking pandemic when none of the competition's hiring, but we'll at least let you use your indie name in a show you can't go wrestle. <laughs> like, ah, oh, man. Nope. Not even going to hypothetically think about you, but uh, that's brutal. Say, say goodbye. Say goodbye to Heath Slater and Kurt Hawkins. Say hello to Sheath Later and Hurt Hawkins. Oh. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I see Heath Slater probably coming back before too terribly long once things I was thinking that to too. Because they're going to do a Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal angle eventually, and it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. And we're, nobody wants, like, oh. All right, Drew McIntyre is the champion. You know what we really need? Another Jinder Mahal world title feud. We never, we didn't have enough of those back when there was actual live shows people could go to. No, no, we, yeah, we had to enthrall the live audiences with that. Uh, If you're ever going to put the title on Jinder Mahal, when there's no crowd, that would probably be the best time to do it because then you won't hear the fucking crickets. Any probably when they should have done it. Um, yeah, he's yeah. later. I see coming back too. What about Kurt Hawkins? Impact. I was thinking With Japan his between his legs. Go like you know his losing streak was all born of you know the higher ups hearing him shit talk. Well, you know I can just go back to the Indies if this don't work out. They can't fucking bury me that bad, can they? Oh yes we can, Kurt. Oh yes we can. What do you mean? We're gonna give you the longest losing streak in all wrestling history. 
I'm, uh, yeah, I'm thinking he ends up in Japan, but I could be wrong. That's an, you know, that is an excellent point. That's an excellent point there. And hell, I, I can even see C3 showing up in Japan now that you bring it up. But I'm going to fire some off at you that were backstage personnel. If, uh, if any of them stick out to you that somebody might want to snatch up, pinpoint them. Here we go. Billy Kidman, Mike Rotunda, Pat Buck, Fit Finley, Sean Devari, Scott Armstrong, Sarah Stock, Shane Helms, and Lance Storm. Lance, that one's kind of like, fuck, I feel so fucking bad for Lance. He closed his goddamn wrestling school in Canada four months ago because they offered him this big money contract. And he moves to the fucking, he moves to Connecticut to be closer to this office job. Yep. And then four months later, they fucking fire him. Like, yep. I, yeah, my, my heart really goes out to you, man. That, that, that's a shit. You, you, you got done dirty there. I don't know how else to say it. Um, Fit Finley. Fit Finley is one of the best fucking match agents that there is since Pat Patterson's not really doing it anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Pat's still undisputably the best, but he's really not. Yeah. Um, do you see Lance Storm? What do you see Lance Storm doing? Anything that doesn't involve working with WWE ever again? What the I fuck? I completely disagree. I think he will probably be one of the first ones they bring back because of the circumstances. And they obviously wanted him to begin with. I think they will make a very strong effort to bring him back at the right time and hopefully sooner than later. I see him benefiting AEW with his amazing agent abilities and his, I think that is actually fit Finley. I think fit Finley goes to AEW because I think at a boat, either of those guys fit Finley is the one that should not have gotten cut. I, I think he was the one that like, he's been there like 16 years. Uh, he's been employed with him for at least 16 years now, consecutively, I believe. So I think he's going to be pretty jaded by this. I see him being a very likely landing spot in AEW. Yeah, I mean, you, you raise an excellent point there. But so basically it's which one comes back, which one goes to AEW between Fit Finley and Lance Storm. Billy Kidman, uh, he was just – signed on not too long ago yeah. for that role. Um, I see that being a ring of honor. Uh, you, uh, maybe. I, yeah. I, I don't – I just don't know where he goes with that. Uh, Shane Helms, he could definitely do ring of honor. He's he's actually a pretty decent road agent. Um, I could see him going to AEW. you got to assume he yeah. knows a couple of those guys. Oh, yeah. Him and Armstrong. I could yeah. see him and Armstrong. Uh now, Scott, that's not Road Dog, is it? Is that his brother? Uh, uh, is it? Or is that Road Dog? I can't I'll remember look now. That up, but I, I, Nobody I'm who's sure. ever needed to know Road Dog's real fucking name? He's goddamn Road Dog or the Road. Hey, no, no. <laughs> How do they fucking let him go? Okay, well, yeah, he's gonna be Road Dog's gonna end up in fucking AEW. Like that's a no, good. no, no. That that was his brother, okay. uh, Scott Armstrong. Road Dog is Brian Armstrong. I just okay. want to make double well. Road Dog's going to AEW. He's going to rejoin Billy Gunn. That's just. I mean, that's got to be. It has to, right? It has to be. Um, Shane Helms. I I see Shane Helms ended up in AEW. Uh, like Sean Davari, I could see him ended up in like Impact. Uh, Mike Rotunda. That was an interesting one. I thought. Mike Rotunda. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to make cuts somewhere. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Like, I mean, if you're cutting fit fucking Finley, if my name was Mike Rotunda, I would be really goddamn nervous. But yeah, Mike Rotunda, the tax man, was cut on tax day. Yeah. And stimulus day. I don't know bad timing. That was either the best or worst tag. Micro Tunda. IRS was yeah. cut 
on tax day. For those who don't know, my Rotunda's wrestling gimmick in the 80s was Tony, what was that name? IRS. And what did it stand for? Irving R. Schweitzer. The fact that you know that is hilarious. Irving yeah. R. Schweitzer, IRS, was yeah. his gimmick. And he gets <laughs> cut on tax day. I'm sorry. That's one of those, like, author Scott Adams would say, this is one of those moments where the simulation is winking at you. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that, that one just kind of, huh. Yeah. And also, you know, Bray Wyatt's got to be like, well, sorry to see you go, Dad, but I'm at least high up enough in the card that I'm going to stay. But, man, Bo Dallas, he should have been a little nervous. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. Uh, here, I'm going to hit you with a couple, and then I'm going to come back to one we glossed over. Uh, Primo and Epico, Cologne. I, I think that How the fuck did they stay employed as long as they did? Yep. I mean, what? How did it take until this year or more 2020 for them <laughs> to not like what I'm I'm really like yeah. Well done, gentlemen. Well done. The fact that you were able to string along that money mark Vince McMahon, apparently, for as long as you were, I am fucking flabbergasted, flummoxed, uh, every other possible word for confused and in disbelief that you were able to fucking stay on WWE's payroll for as long as you were. Well fucking done gentlemen i i give you your proper courtesies where, where do you see him going puerto rico to their dad's promotion where they spend 80 percent of their time anyway so i see them doing basically the same thing with less airline travel all right yeah i i agree if anything besides <laughs> that impact at best uh i'm sorry i was never a huge fan of them Okay, here's one. If I could wrestle every day in Puerto Rico, I would do that shit. Fair. That's fine. Yeah. Fair. How about this one? Kurt fucking Angle. Damn, yeah. I'm not one just like... Yeah. Hmm. I'm guessing they went to the backstage names and looked at the Excel spreadsheet and said, okay, who's the most expensive consultant we got? Kurt Angle. Okay, get rid of him. Because I got a feeling there's a lot of people that they just looked at the spreadsheet and said, how much are we paying them? Yeah. Chop them. Um, and Kurt Angle isn't going to do this anymore for a couple of bucks. Right. He's going to need a substantial contract. Now, where do I see him going? Oh, God damn, I hope he doesn't go back to Impact because, uh, like, uh, Jim Cornette again said it best, Kurt Angle is going to be working matches two and a half years after he's fucking dead. Yeah. He'll still be accepting bookings and dates, okay? Oh, so, no. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. I just realized. Phil. Rick Flair. Rick Flair at Impact Wrestling, yeah. No. You remember you remember when Kurt Angle bust onto the scene and he started using the ankle lock and everybody started talking about that dream match with Ken Shamrock? No. Ken Shamrock's uh, alive and well in Impact Wrestling. No. Kurt Angle has a pretty big no. history with Impact Wrestling. No, Kurt, don't do it. I'm My God, you retired by tapping out the Drew McIntyre with your own ankle lock and any further matches beyond that I refuse to remember or acknowledge. But, <laughs> Kurt, don't do it. Don't go, like, if you're going to go anywhere, go to AEW in a retirement match with Cody or something like that where they can actually book it well to the point where Yes, could you imagine Kurt Angle versus Cody one last time? Kurt Angle was Cody's first big match on the indie scenes when he walked away from WWE. And, yeah, that, that would be – or, hell, even Kurt and Dustin. 
Oh, you yeah. imagine the fucking match those two workhorses, uh, those yeah, those two there's steady not, workhorses. There's not two other guys literally on that entire AEW roster. Jericho, maybe, but Cody or oh. Dustin, that's it. If you're gonna do one more match, it's got to be one of those two guys. But honestly, I I think uh, I think Kurt will end up back in WWE uh, in some form or fashion. I he's. He's overly loyal. Look how long he stayed in, in Impact. Like, long, long after he even remotely needed to. He stayed with Impact. And he, he's just ridiculously loyal. I think he will probably not go to AEW just because for how long now they've been viewed as the evil competition and while he's been on the WWE payroll. So, I, I think, if anything, he'll end up back in WWE. But... Like I said, if he's going to AEW, please God, if he's going to do a wrestling match, it's got to be Cody or Dustin. Um, yeah, I don't know if AEW is going to pay the Kurt Angle prices for a backstage consultant and road agent. No, no, they'd they'll want to pay, They'll pay the Fit Finley prices yeah, yeah. for a backstage consultant and road agent. They might pay the Lance Storm prices, considering sure. the guy's you know apparently open to move now. Uh, sure. How much he wants to stay in Connecticut. Uh, but yeah, so is there is there any name that we've left off of this little? Uh... There's a few more. Uh, I'll, I'll go through a couple here. I think the uh, NXT was uh, Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, I actually thought she had some potential. Uh, Alexander Jaksic, uh, Andrea Listenberger, uh, No Way Jose. Uh, impact probably impact <laughs> we touched on rusev Wherever. um let's yeah uh, the, the, the nxt kids you just named i mean yeah ring of honor yeah pro wrestling gorilla uh, i've only got a few left here maybe that impact. i wanted to talk about specifically one is surprisingly referee mike kyota that took me off guard when He's that a- name was announced, I'm like, oh, shit. This this could get deep. This could get bad. Yeah, he is actually him and Howard Finkel, circling yeah. back to the, of the show, are WWE's two longest employees. Well, after um, Earl Hebner left, when Earl Hebner left, like Mike Chioda was like one of the last remaining refs with that ridiculously long tenure. I I couldn't believe that they let go of Mike. He had to be. He had to be the ref with the most tenure at that point because uh, – uh, forgive was, me, off the top of my head. Long, he was the longest continuous WWE employee at that point. Well, Howard, Howard Finkel was in some form or fashion, but, yeah, Mike Chioda was always there. Uh, if it wasn't Earl Hebner, it was Mike Chioda. Or, forgive me, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, who was the referee? They they did some ridiculous death angle, and he as he had passed on not long after that. I I can't think of his name now. Ah, it's gonna bother me. He was one of the great refs as well during that time frame. But uh, Mike Kyoto, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, I can't remember, the, but I know who Mike Kyoto is. Yes, yeah, yeah, but you don't. Yeah, Mike Kyoto was always there uh, during like, the Attitude Era, the Ruthless Aggression Era, all those, the Invasion Era. All I feel like his intensity. He was one of those guys that, like, when he was arguing with the wrestler, like yes. his neck would bulge, and he was he was another one of those guys that understood that the referee is just as important a performer yes. as anybody else in that ring. Absolutely integral. And if you look at some of these referees now. Uh, that's why everybody's so higher high on uh, AEW ref Aubrey because she's in the middle of the action. She's being visual. She's doing arm movement. She's moving. She's sliding. It's it's absolutely so important to every match that the the referee plays an integral part. You're communicating with the performers, the wrestlers. You're you're making a visual when there's a rest hold the referee still needs to be making a visual movement to gain to keep the eyes on the action in the ring and yeah like you said Mike Kyoto was one of those referees and I I would be shocked if AEW didn't try to snatch him up 
Yeah, yeah somebody's got to. I mean, yes. like at this point, the man's such an experienced, like, as much as I'd say, like, goddamn, the guy's been a WWE referee for what, two, three decades? I mean, like, it is one of those, like, craftsmen where it's like, oh, the, mind, the mind's all dried up. But all I know to do is coal mine. You know, yeah. like, I, so I, I really feel bad for the guy. So I hope he finds a, a, a mine with some coal in it that he can go referee at for a while. That's, I just hope well for the guy. Because, God damn, this is brutal. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, one of the better refs ever. And hopefully he lands on his feet. Uh, you got to assume that decision was because of whatever crazy amount of salary he started acquiring over his tenure, and they feel like they've got enough uh, less experienced refs to move forward without him. But yep, I hope he that one was team. that one was another one. Look at the uh, Excel spreadsheet. Okay, who's the most expensive referee on the chart? Yeah. Cut him. Yeah. And so it was, all right, amongst the talent, who's the most expensive we can cut? Gallows and Anderson. Okay, amongst the backstage, who's the most expensive we can cut? Kurt Angle. Okay, amongst the referees, who's the most expensive we can cut? Mike Kyoto. And I bet it kind of went like that. And even with the NXT, who's the most expensive we can cut? We'll get to him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Mike Kyoto, I, I really wish the best for you, sir. I agree. Here, here. Who's next on this uh, unfortunate list? I just got four left here. Uh, I'm sure more came out after this, but I think it was a lot of NXT uh, tryouts for the most part. Uh, Eric Rowan, who'd actually gotten a lot of TV time here lately, his storyline with the stupid spider, it was awful. I'm about to say, did the spider get released or just I, Eric Rowan? I hope, I hope they both did, but my God. Okay. Uh, yeah, Eric Rowan, who'd actually been getting, you know, some TV time. And he's he's a big guy. He's a big body. He's a good worker. I'd be shocked if he doesn't find himself in AEW right alongside former Luke Harper, Brody Lee. I mean, that only makes perfect sense. And I'm, I'm shocked they let him go because of that easy connection. I would be shocked if Eric Rowan and Luke Harper wanted to work together as a tag team again. Because uh, everything I've heard, they were never really big on it. But again, it's just one of those, they know what the fuck they're doing. I mean, they know how they to work. They work well team. together. They don't have to be a tag team. They know each other from the road. And I think that's well, more important than anything. Well, I don't know if you ever listen to any of uh, Brody Lee's shoot interviews. Him and Eric Rowan did not get along along initially when they were teamed up together they just rubbed each other the wrong way did not get along personally and didn't like each other very much and uh, one of the big ones uh, well one of the big ones um that Brody lee hated about eric rowan is eric rowan snores incredibly loud <laughs> so he would have to go to sleep first before Eric would go to sleep, because, you know, if you're traveling together, you get a room together. And so just, like, small things. Like, there was, like he said, like a six-month period where just any little thing he did annoyed him. But then over time, they started to get along together, and it was just kind of, you know, osmosis. Well, we got to keep, hey, thanks for, you know, taking care of that dive where that guy could have almost killed me and you caught it right. Thanks. Enough of that keeps happening, and you build up enough of a camaraderie amongst each other. But I would be shocked if they wanted to just jump right back into what they were doing just a few months ago. I don't think they'll do that. I don't think that'll happen, but I'd be shocked if Eric and Brody... Awesome. Yeah. There you go. I think they I think they would absolutely work together again. I don't obviously I don't think they want to be a tag team. Brody's got I don't want to call it a good thing going because it's probably one of the worst things in wrestling right now with the dark order, but whatever. He's he feels like he has a good position. He's got right something going. Yeah, there you go. He's got a thing going. Eric doesn't, but I think he'll be one of the first calls. Uh just a couple left here. Uh Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis. They came back from Working a lot in Japan. They were in Ring of Honor for a little while. They showed up at Impact. And then they found themselves back in WWE. And 
right away, uh, I think Mike got hurt, had some issues with painkillers, and then Maria got pregnant. So they really didn't get, like, they, they had plans for him, but then it was just bad, bad timing. All this stuff happened. So their push yeah. kind of got I mean, cut. And then not just after that, but after his issues were dealt with and she'd already had, she got pregnant again, I believe, right during their contract negotiations. And they kind of misled management into not realizing that she was pregnant. They re-signed them for a good chunk of cash and now they got cut. And of course, she's one of those former divas who... Oh, likes to make vocal things on Twitter and social media. So she's going to badmouth them on the way out. And I believe they did so tonight and I didn't pay attention, but uh, I, I'd be shocked if these two, I'd like to see him in AEW. I think he's a great worker and I think she's good enough in the managerial role. I'd like to see him in AEW, but I would expect them to end up back in Japan. Yeah, maybe impact, but yeah, Japan most likely, but when Maria was pregnant again, basically WWE was like, well, we bought a baby. Yeah. Both of them have a $2.5 million contract. And so for $5 million, we bought an injury prone uh, journeyman wrestler and yeah. a baby. So they decided that was not a good investment of $5 million, which, you know, as much as I hate to say this, Virus or no virus, I think that one was eventually coming. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think they needed to be there any longer. I just that's one of those uh relationship enders you would have liked to see and a bit more amicable, and it just it was never meant to be that. Last one on yeah. the list. Oh, this poor bastard. Ah, oh, this poor bastard. Zach Ryder. It finally happened. They finally shit can Zack Ryder. And uh, I'll be honest, uh, when I first came back, really, to WWE after a long hiatus, he'd just want – well, he, I came back and he wins the Intercontinental Championship in a ladder match at WrestleMania, only to lose it the very next night on Monday Night Raw to the Miz. And he had such a cult following with the fans. Uh, they were talking about having an internet title that he kind of created because of his following, and they never really introduced it on the main stage or on TV. They just let him do his thing on YouTube and online. And they just did every – it felt like they did everything they could to hold him under. And it's unfortunate because he won that Intercontinental title at WrestleMania. He drops it the next night. And after that, he never really found his footing again. It was basically his legs getting chopped out from under him, but the injury was permanent. So it's really yeah. unfortunate. Zack Ryder was red hot when he was signed in 2004. It was when he made his debut. Uh, it was when he was signed, and he made his debut uh, shortly thereafter in 2005. And he unfortunately got cut about 14 years too late yeah yeah uh yeah he got fucking like honestly i can't think of anyone else that a company has so thoroughly buried worse than zach Ryder. yeah and i think it was literally just his sin was being more popular than other people when he wasn't supposed to it's the same thing with Rusev. You you got over with the fans when you weren't supposed to. So now we have a grudge against you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, now, Tony, I don't know if you know this, but there's uh, one more that's been added to the list that I don't know if you heard about. But he just uh, got his walking papers today. And he tweeted a picture of his boots in a wrestling ring, and he might be retiring for good. And that's Cassius Ono. Yeah, I did see that. Cassius Ono got the cut, and he might just be done with wrestling. Because at this point, if you've signed again and they've cut you again, yeah, you gotta wonder. Like I can understand you wondering about your directions in life. Okay, I I could certainly understand that. So. Yeah. You know, if he does decide to stay in wrestling, I could see any of the American promotions picking him up. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Hands down. Hands down. He's also one of those few guys that I could see just walk away from wrestling and just stay walked away. I think it, right it, it, now it, his, his mindset's probably just be done with it. But I would think probably in like six months from now, you'll see him in, in at least one AEW, uh, maybe even a multi-man match in Japan, something along those lines. You're, you're going to see him in the ring again. I don't think this is it. He might even think this is it, but I don't think this will be it. Now, you and I are living proof that once professional wrestling gets into the blood, even for a little while, it can go dormant and you can do other things, but then that spark hits you and you, uh, you just got to get right back into it. Even the great and vaunted, I will never get back into wrestling CM Punk. Yep. Uh, he had to jump back into the ring under a mask, and also, I'm going to say, the shittiest return of a major superstar to wrestling of all time walks out to basically like a, I, I, like the equivalent of the Talking Dead, the yeah. equivalent of that show where they talk about the fucking housewives after the housewives show where they get all yeah. angry at each other. He comes up, when you don't know the answers, I change the culture. What the fuck are you even talking about? And so uh, that one was, ouch. Yeah. Damn, punk. You, you, you had the chance for the biggest pop in decades and we decided to go with a fox network funded cold wet fart yep pretty much so after we've gone through all these names uh the projected savings for wwe is four million dollars a month let me ask you this they could have held this off one more month and paid all these guys had they not had Bill Goldberg beat the Fiend at Super Showdown and then drop the title to Braun Strowman at WrestleMania because that cost them $4 million. Boy, boy, Tony, when you, when you put it like that, boy, that's uh, ouch. Let, let me just go on record to say that. So we had to cut all those people so we could have that wonderful, amazing booking that everyone wanted to see. Yeah, Bill Goldberg beats the fiend that nobody wanted to see in Saudi Arabia and then doesn't go and lose the belt. Out of the event nobody likes. Yeah. Bill Goldberg beat the fiend that nobody wanted to see in Saudi Arabia at an event that nobody fucking likes. Don't worry, Tony. They're not fucking paying us. Trust me. We can speak the truth. We yeah. fucking hate it. It's fucking awful. God damn it. And we have to watch them at like Thursdays at three in the afternoon. Yeah. And it's weird. And we don't like it. God damn it. Okay. I yeah, and the last one especially, the last event was just the hands down the worst one they've done. And to cap it all off, Goldberg beats the hottest thing in WWE today, The Fiend. And then doesn't even get to wrestle Roman Reigns at WrestleMania because we all knew that was coming. And then it didn't fucking happen. So at the last minute, they didn't even do a storyline. They just casually announced Braun Strowman will be taking his place. Didn't even say taking his place. Braun Strowman's challenging Goldberg for the title. Braun Strowman wins the universal title. And you know what sucks? Bill Goldberg, two appearances, $2 million apiece. Braun Strowman finally wins the Universal title. And you know what's going to happen? Braun Strowman is going to drop the Universal title back to The Fiend in front of a crowd of no one. And his entire Universal title reign will have been in front of no crowd ever. Hmm, that's... Oh, wow. Man. And to think... Yep. SummerSlam last year. Yep. He was the hottest commodity in wrestling, and now, yep, now he's this. Don't get me started on that because that was the biggest fucking wasted opportunity. You come out, you have Braun Strowman win the Money in the Bank. That was Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman going into politic business for themselves backstage. Uh, Whatever it is. No, that finish was Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman demanding it, and the 
finish was stupid because it made everybody else look like an idiot except for Brock Lesnar. Yep. So that was, yes, you're right. That was a wasted goddamn opportunity. You put the briefcase on him, you have that happen. And then not only was that awful at SummerSlam, he just kind of casually gets knocked out and we go to credits. Not only that, but that specifically led to the wondrous 2018 Wrestle Shit of the Year here at the Revolutionary Wrestling Podcast. The Hell in a Cell match between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. Ah, the main event of Hell in a Cell was the Wrestle Shit of 2018. Now, Tony, can you just remind me real quick, what was the match that was the Wrestle Shit of 2019? Why, that would be Seth Rollins versus The Fiend at Hell in a Cell, the main event. (laughs) Wow! I gotta give uh, Hell in a Cell some credit here. They really know how to. Uh, yeah, I thought surely. To make surely. Out, There's no way they, they fucked this up two years in a row. Oh, Tony, ye who hath little faith in WWE's writing staff to overwrite something. Come on now. Uh, yeah, that. For two years now, big anticipated main event Hell in a Cell matches that end in the stupidest ways possible. Yeah. So, uh, so, but I'm so glad we, uh, oh, damn it. Yeah, I'm glad we relived uh, that. So. Yeah, thanks. thanks. <laughs> uh, but so, to all the folks that lost their jobs from this, my heart goes out to you. I'm so sorry. And also, all of the Fired at first it was furloughed, but now it's fired employees of the XFL, uh, which has just filed for bankruptcy. Yep. Uh, heart goes out to all you. Um, none of y'all plan on this pandemic happening, but happening to us all, it's come nonetheless. So, huh, Tony, shall I? Indeed. As I'm known to say around here, folks. All that being said, this has been our tribute to Howard Finkel and our send-off to many a cast of characters in this world of wrestling as they find this new chapter in their life, as they turn the page to the next story in their life. We wish you all well, and we wish you all a safe and happy journey in your lives forward. I am devilishly handsome outlaw himself, your king of extreme, Phil KOE, signing off and handing it off to my indomitable broadcast partner, the one, the only... Tony fucking G. Again, like, share, subscribe. Thanks for joining us again tonight, folks. Uh, Can't wait to get some more content out for you because, of course, we do not know what wrestling there will be Moving forward, we know there's going to be a Money in the Bank. It's going to be a fucking awkward one. Of course, join us for that and stay tuned right here, and we will cover more topics like this as the weeks and months and years, unfortunately, fall off the calendar. But uh, stick with us, folks. Thanks for joining.